Was Abraham's prayer answered? Think about how you would answer that question if someone posed it to you on the street. Was Abraham's prayer answered? Abraham prayed for the people of Sodom in today's first reading. He asked the Lord to spare the city in spite of the great wickedness and evil that was present there. But as we all know, the place eventually got torched. Fire and brimstone rained down from heaven at the command of God, and it annihilated the city, as well as everybody who lived there. Now some might read this story in the book of Genesis, Genesis 18 and 19, and say that Abraham's prayer, his intercessory prayer for the people of Sodom, was not answered. But I would disagree with that. I would say that God did, in fact, answer Abraham's prayer. Even though the intention of that prayer, the saving of Sodom, was not fulfilled. You see, there's a difference between a prayer that's answered and a prayer that has its intention fulfilled. Here we can learn something about the intercessory prayers that we offer up for people each and every day. We all do that. And especially regarding the prayers that we offer up for the conversion of members of our own families. Abraham's desire in this story, you might say Abraham's deepest prayer, was that at least ten people in the city of Sodom would respond to God's grace in a positive way by repenting of their sins and resolving to live in a state of righteousness before God. Now, I have no doubt that Abraham wanted the whole city to convert deep down inside, but he had been in Sodom long enough to know that was not likely to happen. So he engaged the Lord, as we heard a few moments ago, in this exchange, engaged in this dialogue, getting the Lord to agree that if he could find just ten innocent people in the whole city, He'd spare everybody else. So Abraham's prayer was answered. God's powerful grace, God's merciful grace, was offered to all the citizens of the city. But unfortunately, less than ten of them allowed that saving grace to transform their lives. And the rest, as they say, is history. The lesson here is, my brothers and sisters, when we pray for other people, our relatives, our friends, even people that we don't know, God always offers those people the grace they need to say yes to him and to change their lives for the better. In that sense, he always, always, always answers our prayers. But like the people of Sodom, the men and women we pray for can say no to that grace. And sadly, they often do, as we know from our experience. There's a principle you learn in theology class very early on. The principle is grace perfects nature. Grace perfects nature. Grace does not negate nature, it doesn't override nature, it perfects it. 
And so because God gave us all a free will as a part of our human nature, His grace will never force us to do anything. It may prompt us to do and say certain things. It may inspire us to do and say certain things. But the grace of God will never, ever overpower the gift of freedom that the Lord's given to us. Let me make this concrete with an example. I know a 25-year-old young man who has parents who have been on their knees for just about 25 years, praying that he will get serious about life and start practicing his Catholic faith again. I use this example because I think this is a pretty typical situation that many of you can identify with. We'll call this young man John, even though that's not his real name. Now, I'm absolutely certain that every single time John's parents have said a prayer for him, God has sent that boy a special grace. In that sense, the Lord has answered all their prayers. But for a long time, just like the people of Sodom, John said no to the grace he was given. Until the last few months, praise God, when he's finally begun to say yes to the Lord's grace, and move in a positive direction. His parents are ecstatic about that. One big reason for the change is the Lord brought a really nice girl into his life. God works in strange ways sometimes. It's motivating him to be more accountable and more responsible. It's like the boy Bishop Sheen wrote about in one of his books. Some of you have probably heard this before. Sheen wrote, This young man would not comb his hair, wash behind his ears, clean his fingernails, or come to the table with clean clothes. And when he went out the door, he always slammed it. But then one day he came down, hair combed, clean clothes, hands well washed, and clean behind the ears. And when he went out the door, he closed it gently. His parents could not understand it. They had begged, coaxed, pleaded, bribed, to no avail. What they did not realize was their son had met Susie. This is why I tell parents, if you are praying for your son's or your daughter's conversion to the faith or for their return to the practice of the faith, make sure you ask the Lord in your prayer time every day to send your child a good Catholic friend, or several of them. Ask for one, you might as well ask for seven. And I say that because, like it or not, the fact of the matter is, young people today will very often listen to their friends before they listen to their parents. Now, I'm not saying that's the way it should be. I'm not saying that's a good thing. But that's the way it is. It's reality. So I tell parents, go with reality. If your child strikes up a friendship with another young person who is Catholic and moral and caring, that young person will probably do your work for you. He or she will motivate your son or daughter in a way that will make your son or daughter open to the grace that you're praying that they will be open to. 
the grace God is offering your son or daughter in response to your prayers. One of the reasons the people of Sodom did not say yes to God's grace was because the culture there in Sodom was so corrupt. Practically speaking, this means that if you were a person living in Sodom at the time of Abraham, in all likelihood, all your friends, or at least the vast majority of them, were corrupt. That's a reasonable presumption because there weren't even ten righteous people, we're told, in the entire place. With all those negative influences, it's obvious, repentance and conversion were highly unlikely, even among those people who otherwise would have been open to change. And so in spite of the prayer of a great saint like Abraham, the grace that God was offering out of his great mercy was rejected. His prayer was answered, but the intention of that prayer, unfortunately, was not fulfilled. We're living in a culture right now, my brothers and sisters, which in many ways is exactly like the culture of ancient Sodom and Gomorrah. It's hedonistic, it's violent, as we all know from the news, extremely violent, and it's ungodly. This is the culture our young people are growing up in. Almost everything they see and hear during the course of their day is pointing our young people away from God. That's reality. Thankfully, however, they do have one very big advantage. Young people today have more opportunities, many more opportunities, to find good, godly friends than the people of Sodom did just before their city was destroyed. The experience of John and his girlfriend makes that fact crystal clear, which, of course, is really great news. But you see, we need to pray. We need to pray faithfully, and we need to pray persistently, as Jesus indicates we should in today's Gospel. We need to pray that the Lord will help our young people to find good and godly friends and to be influenced by those friends in a positive way then our prayer will be answered like Abraham's was because God's grace will be given. And the intention of our prayer will, in all likelihood, be fulfilled, which Abraham's intention for Sodom was not. Because the person we love, the person we're praying for, will say yes to God's grace and change their life happily for the better.